Brought to you by North Memorial Health, where customers are treated like family. That means a big smile when you walk in the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. It's just like your family treats you. Find your healthy family at northmemorial.com slash family. Welcome to another edition of the Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined by Chip Scoggins and Ben Gessling from Lambeau Field after a Vikings 28-22 win. Uh, just like we all drew it up, right, guys? Out of the bye week, we all expected that one. <laughs> Yeah, As I told you before this that that is why you do not bet on sports. <laughs> Lesson to all the young folks out there: do not bet on sports. There was a uh, uh, seat reserved for the late Sid Hartman in the press box today, and had he been in it, uh, I imagine there would have been a few uh, admonishments given to all you geniuses that picked <laughs> the Vikings to lose. Uh, and in this case. He would have been right. I don't know. There would have been a lot of reason to pick them going into it, but he would have been right. You know, he would said, have, yeah, Sid always says crazy league. <laughs> he would have had him pick the whole way. He would have known the whole way. Yep. Um, <laughs> I, I think that the, the most shocking, uh, the least shocking thing perhaps I should start off with is the fact that we saw Dalvin cook blow up the way he did. Uh, we knew he could have a good game. He's had good games against green Bay before, but you guys, he really put the team on his back and kind of carried him to a win here today. Yeah, he certainly did. It was looking at the numbers after the game. It, it was one of the iconic performances we've seen against the Packers by a Vikings player ever. Is it going to be remembered that way? Maybe not because this is a two and five team. You did it in an empty stadium. It's not Randy Moss coming in on Monday Night Football in 1998 and doing it on national TV against a team that had been to two straight Super Bowls. But the, the sheer production he put up, we should stop and take note of it. Ninth most yards ever put up by an individual player against the Packers, and that's in 102 seasons, I believe. Uh, only, only Darren Nelson has put up more among Vikings players than Cook did today, more than Adrian Peterson ever did, more than Randy Moss. He's the first player in – Lambeau Field history, Packers player or otherwise, to have 200-plus yards and four touchdowns in the same game. Um, He is only, I think, the fifth to have four touchdowns, period, in a game at Lambeau Field. It's like Dorsey Levins, Paul Horning, and then Bobby Douglas, D'Angelo Williams, and Dalvin Cook. So um, you're on a list with Paul Horning. You're on a list with Randy Moss, Adrian Peterson. It's pretty special company. You know, and guys, I've said from beginnings, like, and I know people, you know, they'll argue that you don't give them, you know, big contracts to running back and the positions devalued. And I know his injury history and, you know, he's coming off an injury. He's just different. He's special. And you saw today, like, a guy that could put a team on his back. And when a guy has his unique skill set and his talent, you have to pay him. And I think they're just going to have to live with the, that that come up that come with it but um it reminded me today of watching what peterson did during his mvp year those games where he just like okay everybody get on on my back i'm carrying this today i mean he, he the packers had no answer for him it felt like peterson here in 2012 when i, I think peterson had 21 carries for 210 yards and they lost because christian yeah. Ponder threw a couple bad picks but it it felt sort of like that where it was 
I'm going to win this game for us. And, and he credited his blockers after the game, and he should, because they, they did a very good job today, I thought, overall. But a lot of running backs don't turn some of those things into what he did. And, and yeah. we've seen it the last few weeks when he's been out. There is a difference between him and just about anybody else you put out there. And I yeah, will say put- the Packers are horrible tacklers. Yes, what? they are. That side, they can't tackle. I mean, we just saw, I know it's a different team, but we just saw a Falcons defense that was pretty bad in its own right and how different the Vikings look to Ben's point. Like this is, they look so different when Dalvin Cook is in there because he can create off of some of those runs that might be three yard runs for Alexander Madison, but they could be a touchdown for Dalvin Cook. And you're when right, you started talking about bad tackling, I thought you were going to mention the Gophers <laughs> in terms of the team we saw. <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that's a hard one to shake. And I think, I think two people thought going into this game that maybe there might be a similar defensive performance. I mean, this was Yannick Ngakwe getting traded away. This was having no cornerbacks. They were down to two healthy cornerbacks at one point in this game. Chip, how did they manage to keep this a game and win it uh, after the start they had, especially? I, I have no idea. Now, now Zimmer said they did uh, uh, after those first two drives, they did make a couple tweaks to what they're doing schematically to, to try to, uh, limit the run. Um, but after those first two drives, I thought Packers would be able to name their score. It looked like they're on their way to 40 points. Um, and it was, I don't think I've ever seen a situation where you're down to two healthy cornerbacks and you can't even be in a nickel. They had to put Anthony Harris in the nickel uh, role that last drive because two guys. And so that last drive, they had three rookies in the secondary. And it's just, you know, we've we've pummeled them a lot and criticized them a lot. Today, I think they need a pat on the back, and they deserve to be praised because they, you know, after those two drives, they didn't give up another score until late in the game. So they made timely plays. They weren't perfect. I mean, there were still some busts in there, some bad plays. Um, yes, the, the win obviously changed the way this game was played. Uh, probably didn't see as many downfield throws as, as you would have. Um, but – and – you know, you pick up a flag on Anthony Harris that was going to be a pass interference, but they don't apologize for anything the way they played today. Yeah, Ben, what did you see? And did you notice that Chip said defensive tweaks? I did notice he said defensive tweaks. Yes. That, that's, uh, <laughs> now, tweak can mean adjustments. It can mean season-ending injuries. It, it can mean a lot of things. There, there are many meanings for that word in, uh, in, in Vikings land. And it can also, I suppose, mean – uh, giving the head coach a hard time for describing catastrophic injuries as a tweak. So as we saw this week, um, yeah, it, it's an interesting game because yeah, certainly there's a, a lot of progress there from the defensive side of the ball to be able to hold that together. I mean, you're sitting there at the end when Rogers has a chance to go win it that, you know, thinking <laughs> he's going to come up with something. And they're, after all this, they're going to end up, losing the game. I was sitting at a whole last drive. I had a game story written that was sort of, you know, let us now praise Dalvin cook the whole way. And then thinking I'm going to have to blow this whole thing up because they're going to lose this game 29, 28, but um, they, they pulled it out. They deserve a lot of credit for that. The, the question I think going forward from this is, is this a one day sample or is this the start of them being able to be more consistent? Is it, an endorsement for the way they want to play, or is it 
a function of the fact that there were 40 mile an hour winds and the game couldn't be played the same way as normal? Um, is it a sign that good teams find different ways to win and you have to be able to do some of that? It, there's a lot to chew on. I, I guess you can probably just say that it's, um, you know, a, a heck of a win at a time where we didn't think it was coming and then leave the rest for later. And don't you think it's a, a combination of all those things? I mean, not fair to say, oh, the wind was blowing really hard, so, you know, they won because that's not fair to them. But you have to know that the game was, was even Eric Kendrick said, you know, you'd be lying if you didn't say the game was changed because of the wind. Yeah, yeah Cousins said it too. But they but they made they had guys that made plays. And you're, you know, you're looking at guys who probably should not even be on the field in those situations, and, and they didn't, ex, you know, expect them to be uh, on the field. And guys came through, you know, you had three rookies in the secondary playing a, a rookie gets the, the sack strip at the end of the game. So I think there's something at least that they can build on. Yeah. I think the overarching thing, at least for me, for the Vikings out of this is that you had a team coming out of a bye week The Vikings historically weren't good under Mike Zimmer out of bye weeks They had a really young team. So that would make you think that'd be even harder to get the team ready to mentally out of a bye week And then you've got them not giving up necessarily. And, and, just effort-wise. I mean, you see DJ Wanham chasing him down on the final play. I know there's so much incentive on a final play like that, but that's a sack that happens like five or six seconds after the snap. That's that's something that doesn't happen if a guy, if a rookie just thinks, oh, I'm out of the play, I'm going to give up. I think it's the young guys kind of showing that they still at least buy into some of this stuff, and it's one that you could have seen them potentially roll over and fall to one and six pretty easily. And the fact that they were able to do that. Now, they still gave up 400 yards. We're still talking about uh, it's only 22 points, though, and that's that's the big one, is that they still kind of hold up in those areas that this coaching staff preaches about in terms of situational defense. Yeah, if you would have said, and I, you don't know the win, but it, that the Packers are going to end up with 30 or 22 points after averaging 32, 10 below their average, um, on a day when you lose, if you count the two that were inactive, five cornerbacks and you only have two healthy, you would have said there's no way that could possibly yeah. You know, yeah, and they get they get Cameron Dantzler back for a, a second, and then he ends up in the hospital because of a collision with a teammate. Um, and, and fortunately for the Vikings, he's all right. It sounds like he's going to travel back with the team, but we don't know his long term outlook. So that's still going to be an issue going forward long term. But this was a spot where I think you got to credit the coaches, you got to credit the game plan, and then the guys at least doing enough on the field because I think we had heard a little bit about how some of what the Vikings were doing defensively was similar and taken a little bit from what Tampa Bay was able to do um, on the Fox broadcast. I don't know if you guys noticed it at Lambeau field, but on the broadcast, they were talking a lot about how it was deep shell coverages. It was trying to force Rogers to be patient. And this year, it seems like Rogers wants to get the ball out quicker and it seemed to make him a little uncomfortable with what he was looking at. Yeah. I mean, it, it certainly was not going to be something where they brought a ton of pressure. And I think that's been true of the way they played Rogers over the years anyway, but yes, I, I think, that's now going to become the template for this version of the Packers to beat them is make Rogers hold the ball and make him try to figure things out after a few different, after a few seconds. And you also are helped today, I think by the fact that one of the best left tackles in the league, David Bakhtiari is not out there. So if you have the chance to make Rogers hold the ball, knowing that you probably have a better chance of getting to him with four guys, which they did, I think for a lot of the second half, they, they, dialed some heat up when they had to Jeff Gladney had a blitz um, that I think you'll be able to hear or read uh, more about 
Mark Craig, I think, is writing about that for the paper tomorrow. Um, they brought a pressure a couple different times that got home. But, yeah, a lot of it, I think, was them being able to rush four and play with a shell and make Rodgers hold the ball. Well, we should talk about Eric Kendricks, too. Yeah. He, he was – what did you think about his game? He is uh, he is showing, again, why he's first-team All-Pro. I mean, not only the tackles. I think he had 11 tackles in the first half. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, to cover Devontae Adams down the middle of the field and get a break up in there, I just don't know many linebackers are going to be able to do that. And he – Eric Brooks-like. Yeah, he makes it look easy. And, you know – Started off after the game and said, hey, "Ask my job. Just stay calm and make the play." I mean, he is, you know, he's in the category of the best linebackers in the league right now, and he's just, he's just so consistent with all the chaos that's happening around him and guys coming in and out, and you know, he's the one constant you can count on. He's gonna, he's gonna play good every game. It seems like. I mean, he's always in the right place. He just, um, it's fun watching him play because he's, you know, he is in that select star category as a, as a defensive player. You see why whenever they need to restructure a contract that, or whenever they need to clear cap space, I should say, and they need to do it quickly, their move is to convert part of his salary into a signing bonus. Now teams can do that without notifying the player. They, they, or they, they basically can do so without the player's consent, as long as they notify the player, I should say. But when you do that, you have to be sure that it's a guy you're going to keep around. And I think part of the reason they've done it with him twice now is that's a guy that you don't worry about. Uh, if this signing bonus is selling the cap in three or four years, are we going to want to cut him and are we going to have to worry about it? I think the reason they keep doing it with him in part is because they're like, this guy's going to be here for a long time. And we can trust that we're going to have him here and that we're going to want to pay him for a long time. I, I think part of the reason that has been their move twice is because, I mean, some of it is, it's relatively cheap. I mean, he, he's he's making a lot of money, but not compared to Anthony Barr or Adam Thielen or Kirk Cousins, certainly. Um, but I also think part of that is they know that he's going to be here for a long time, and they don't have to worry about that. If he's a if he's a first team All Pro player again this year, they're going to give him a new contract. Well, <laughs> I mean, they may have to at some point here. You know, hey. Deadline's what Tuesday. Does this change things? Yeah, the, I like how the Vikings they pushed the, the Vikings pushed back on the notion that it changed anything and said it's not really. Mike Zimmer said I believe it's not about the wins at this point, um, and I, I think I believe him in terms of this win doesn't necessarily. If you're the Vikings, you would assume you're Rick Spielman. If you're Mike Zimmer, I don't think you're getting hoodwinked into thinking, "Yep, now we're back in it. Now this is yeah. it." You know, I think you still kind of take the same approach. You still traded Yannick Ngakwe. You still are starting so many rookies. You can't guarantee that this is going to be kind of a team that could make a playoff push. And so, Ben, I don't know if you disagree with me, but I would think on the surface, this doesn't change a whole lot. I, I would agree with that. I, I, I think, you know, if you may hear some people do the, well, you counted us out and see, look what we did. I mean, I, this is going to be a game – you hear about at the end of the season when people are trying to show signs of progress and, and deservedly so. I mean, there was certainly progress today and they won a game against a division leading team in a building where they haven't won in three years. And that certainly is worth a lot. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't think they 
would necessarily change the thought process because of it. And I also think in some ways the, the Ngakwe trade is I've done a little more digging on that. I mean, Zimmer left some hints of it, I think. And I think Andre Patterson did when he was on the radio as well. Some of that was Ngakwe. I, I think as it went on, you saw that he probably wasn't going to play the way that they like their defensive ends to play, where it's almost like a three, four type lineman where it's, you have to play the run and occupy blockers on the way to the quarterback. I, I think there was a sense in that building that he wasn't going to do that as much. And um, it was a, let's get something for him while we can, because this isn't as good of a fit as we thought it might be, or, or perhaps we were desperate because we needed somebody for Daniel Hunter after the, the, the infamous tweak. Well, and he probably made their mind like, there's no way we're re-signing Matthew this year. Yeah, that too. His team is going nowhere, so if we're not going to re-sign him, it's the old trade until we get something before he walks, you know. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they make any moves this week, any more moves. So I think they're trying. I mean, I, they have guys I think they'd like to deal, but the question is going to be, does anybody want to pay up for Riley Reef? Uh, Anthony Harris, I think, is going to be a guy that could have a market, but – now you may need him as much as anything else. Um, who's the other one? Kyle Rudolph. I mean, you know, I, I'm not sure how much they're going to get for any of those guys, but I think they'll certainly try between now and Tuesday. Yeah, I think they dealt their best asset they were willing to part with in, in Ngakwe. Um, I just I don't know if you're going to see – we talked about Thielen. I think that's such a pipe dream for any NFL team that they'd have to come with such a package. Yeah, I, don't yeah, I don't think that's happening. I don't. I would. I'd be shocked. And and I just don't think they're in the business of taking away assets from the quarterback that they're still trying to buoy up and live up to this contract. I just don't see that happening. So, um, I don't know. It, it seems at this point the deadline's going to be Tuesday. Um, they're going to have through Tuesday to to strike any deals. But Ben, as you've alluded to, it seems like people think around the league in general it's going to be a, a quiet trade deadline, given the fact that COVID has a lot of restrictions on everything. So. Yeah, I mean, you make a trade. You if you were going to make a trade tomorrow for example you would not have that guy available to be in your building before the weekend let alone playing a game so i mean this isn't like baseball where you make a deal the guy's on a flight and he's in your lineup two days later it doesn't work that way or at least isn't going to work that way for teams that are probably serious about having guys come in and make a meaningful contribution and so um the, the, the fact that it takes that much longer to get somebody in your building now because of the COVID protocols, I think may have something of a chilling effect on this whole thing. I, I, there could still be somebody that, that decides, Hey, we have a deal that's worth making in the Ngakwe situation, the Ravens were on a buy. So that helped. Um, so there may be a team like that. It could be, I don't know who's on a buy this week off the top of my head, but maybe there's something like that. But yeah, I, I do think it could have a, an effect that slows the whole thing down a little bit. All right, guys. Well, that should do it for this episode of the podcast. Um, please check out StarTribune.com for all of our work from Lambeau Field and from this game. And we will cover next week against the Detroit Lions and see if the Vikings can start a win streak. Maybe you should get off the podcast.